0: My brother gave his life hunting the enemy. His task is now mine. Stand with me. Ours was no chance meeting. Not
1: fate.
0: Nor destiny. Ours was the work of something greater each of us every one must decide who we shall be
2: I am not the hero you seek
0: whatever it was you did Be free of it. One day, this will be your kingdom. Raise your sail, and then let go. Choose not the path of fear, but that of faith. One thing we can do, better than any creature in all Middle-earth, we stay true to each other with our hearts Even bigger in our feet. We can survive this. You and
1: I. Commander! Wait! No! We keep
0: moving! Why do you keep fighting?
1: There's a tempest in me.
0: Have fought long enough, Galadriel. Put up your sword. Without it, what am I to be?
1: Welcome to the Strange Harbors podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by Amir Toure and Eric Wong. So tonight we are talking about the first two episodes of Amazon Prime Video's new Crown Jewel, the uber-expensive, strangely controversial The Lord of the Rings series, The Rings of Power. This show is Amazon's big play in the streaming wars, I guess, which they purchased the rights from the Tolkien estate for $250 million, if I'm not mistaken. And they spent another $450 million producing it. So the whole price tag on this project is a little over $700 million for this first season. The most expensive show ever made. And this show just premiered last week with its first two episodes. kind of wanted to start off and ask you guys about your experience with Tolkien and Jeff Lord Bezos? of the Rings. And oh, Jeff no. Bezos, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and the Peter Jackson movies, what do you guys think about it?
0: I remember reading The Fellowship of the Ring, but I don't think I've read the other books. I haven't read The Hobbit, but I do Mm -hmm. love the original trilogy of The Lore of the Rings. I remember watching those in theaters very fondly and then like buying the dvds and then when the extended versions were released i bought those too this is like one of my favorite trilogies i think of all time mm-hmm. i think the fellowship of the rings one of my favorite movies the final sequence like the two towers i think is just amazing uh, you know but when it came to the hobbit you know i was really excited but i think that was a little bit of a letdown a funny kind of reminds me of star wars right the star wars prequels aren't my favorite and i think the hobbit being a prequel wasn't my favorite either but I was still very much excited about returning to this world. Um, yeah, I was pretty excited to catch this show.
2: What about you, Amir? Sort of similar to Derek, except I'm literate. So I've read <laughs> um, <laughs> I've read
0: uh, The Hobbit, The Lord of
2: the Rings, and The Silmarillion. So I think that puts me at the level of like an introductory level Tolkien fan. There's like a 12-volume series called The History of Middle-Earth that I haven't read. And there's a bunch of other stuff even I haven't read. So I'm not, like, exactly a... Tolkien lore master. I don't speak any mm-hmm. of the Elvish languages or whatever, so <laughs> I don't go quite as deep as some people, but maybe a little bit deeper than Derek, the average fan. Definitely. So reading's hard. Thanks, Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> I would make so, a Leah Michelle joke, but <laughs> <laughs> hey, a lot
2: of people out there who don't read. Right, Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> um, but listen, that's real. Read, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that's <true. terrible. laughs> we are coming for some people. I mean, I'm part of that, I guess. So, anyway,
2: point being,
0: I you know, I think I read
2: these books before the Peter Jackson movies, but I don't quite remember. So I may have picked them up with like the start of those movies coming out. Yeah, really love that first Peter Jackson trilogy. I love all the books. I don't love that Hobbit trilogy. In fact, I never actually finished it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, big fan of the books. And I was uh, pretty excited to see some new Lord of the Rings. Uh, excited, but cautiously optimistic. Uh, okay, that's actually not quite accurate. <laughs> I didn't think this looked good. I was very skeptical kind of from the beginning.
0: Mm. Just cautious, not optimistic. Yeah, not optimistic. <laughs> Basically,
2: just just the caution part. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about you, Jeff?
1: So, I want to say that I'm probably in the same exact boat as you, Amir. I've read the books. I've loved the books. I've read The Silmarillion a long time ago, even down to the movies. I love the Peter Jackson movies. I started The Hobbit series, and I never finished it.
0: Oh, wow. Am I the
2: only one who's finished those movies? That's rare for you to not finish a movie series. I just,
1: for some reason, I just can't bring myself to finish them. They're just not that good. But I think probably the earliest experience I have with Lord of the Rings is The Hobbit, which I think we all probably read in high school or, like... Middle school, or something like that. But yeah, I was really looking forward to this just because of the spectacle of it all, because it is the most expensive show
2: ever made. It might be the single most expensive work of art humanity has ever produced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is wild.
1: I would say that I was cautiously optimistic, I wasn't as cynical as you. Amir, I was excited about the talent involved. The showrunners and then the directors of the first two episodes. Jay Bayono, who I like some of his work. I really like The Orphanage. The Jurassic World movies are no good. So that was giving me a little hesitation there. But yeah, I think the cast is great. Should we get into our reactions to the
0: actual series? Sure. And we have stressed a lot about the amount of money that went into this show and i think it shows on screen i think this at times is a really beautiful show to watch and it does give me like flashes to like the peter jackson stuff i think he did a really good job in his original movies kind of creating this world visually uh with i was gonna say westeros Um, (laughs) the way he presents (laughs) middle earth and i definitely got flashes of that and i think the The money is there definitely with the set design, the prop design, and I think a lot of has been talked about the CG lately about, you know, She-Hulk and like Marvel not being able to develop good CG nowadays, and you know, I don't think this has that big of an issue with the CG. I think there are some things that are a little wonky in some of the scenes, but overall I think this is actually a really beautiful show to watch. Ultimately, like the first two episodes I thought were, really sad to say, a little bit boring. And I don't think it's establishing a world that is drawing me in just yet. And I know this is the first two episodes of what I think is going to be like, what, an eight episode first season. So maybe there is time to kind of let it flourish and let it grow. But I would like to do some comparisons to other things. We'll save that for a little bit later and we'll let you guys talk first.
2: Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Do you see the money? I don't think it looks cheap. I think if you're saying it looks cheap, you're just kind of a hater. Like, you can see that they spent a lot of money on this, right? I totally agree. I I think that saying it looks cheap is just hater shit. It looks expensive. You can see the money. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's, like, well shot or has interesting visual language or anything like that. But it doesn't look cheap. I'll give them that for sure. And I agree with you. Um, Overall, I'm not impressed so far. I guess you could say I am a little disappointed. It just doesn't really... Live up to what I thought. Way too many people of color in the world of uh, the Middle Earth. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I was expecting a fantasy Aryan paradise, and we didn't get that. Very disappointing. (laughs) No, I I agree with you. It it hasn't yet established a world that has uh, sucked me in. I did like the second episode more than the first. So hopefully as it goes on, it will continue to build like ahead of steam and get some inertia. And then I'll just keep watching because it's like Middle Earth. But I thought the start was pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, What did you think, Jeff?
1: I think we're all in agreement here. We're all in a similar position on this series. And the thing that bugs me is that, like you said, Amir, this is the most expensive piece of art ever produced in the history of mankind ever. And it's just fine. (laughs) Which (laughs) kind of bugs me out, right? Um, For something so expensive, for it to just be fine. It's one thing if it's like straight out bad, or if it's like a masterpiece, but I feel like the reaction of, eh, it's okay, is probably the worst reaction you could have to something so expensive, but just comparing it to the Peter Jackson movies, which instantly felt like lived in, and not that this isn't well-crafted, but like, with a personality, I think there's just something missing here where if I didn't know... That it was about these characters, you know, like Galadriel and Elrond and Sauron and shit. Like, I would not really care about any of this stuff. And I think the deal they made with the Tolkien estate is weird. In that they wanted to kind of adapt the Silmarillion, but they don't have the rights to the Silmarillion. So they have to use the appendices from the Lord of the Rings. I feel like they could have done something different within the same world but they're in a position where they have to maneuver around a lot of rights issues they're like creating new storylines new characters that aren't in the original texts which i don't think is a problem in and by itself but like i'm just finding it hard pressed to like care about
0: any of it before you continue for the people that don't know i.e. me. Um, (laughs) um, What is the Silmarillion?
2: Yeah, so what is the Silmarillion? Good question. So so Tolkien wanted to publish the stories of Middle-earth that came before Lord of the Rings. He was able to do so before he passed away, and so he left the task to his son, Christopher Tolkien, with the help of another author, um, compiled a lot of his dad's writings together and assembled into a history of the world of Middle-earth before Lord of the Rings. Uh, And he called this the Silmarillion. It's a bunch of different books, a bunch of different stories that goes from the creation of of the entire like world of Middle-earth and then all the way up to kind of where the story of Lord of the Rings begins. And it required him to make a lot of decisions and judgment calls on things that his father hadn't like fully decided before he passed away. So there's a lot of like conflicting narratives and origin stories that don't like necessarily match up and the versions in the Silmarillion may not be the versions that match like what Tolkien's thoughts were before he passed away. Like though things kind of change as he developed the work and throughout his life and maybe the version in the Silmarillion isn't necessarily the latest version that Tolkien had established. So there's a lot of like I don't know, editorial control that Christopher Tolkien had there in order to make this like a cohesive work.
0: <laughs> so Christopher Tolkien is Weiss and Benioff to... No, 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 no <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I'm very fine. Um, no, not at all. He's not adapting, right? He's...
2: I mean, I guess he's kind of adapting, but he's turning. You're saying he had to take liberties, though, right? Yes, but more like make decisions in like which versions of a story to use and how to put things together, right? So, like, Tolkien might have said, ah, I think this guy is the son of so and so and so and so. Actually, maybe it'll be this person and that person. And ah, maybe this person does this first and that first. And ah, maybe it'll be this and that. And it doesn't all match up. So, his son had to figure out a way to get to make the most cohesive version of the story that would match by putting all these disparate elements
0: together. Okay, I get it.
1: Yeah, no. And a lot of, like, Tolkien scholars have taken issue with the choices that Christopher Tolkien made, right? Like, there's some contention as to whether he made the right decisions and, like...
2: Yeah, the, the ultimate canonicity of those decisions. Right.
1: Yeah, the Silmarillion itself is kind of, like, a controversial work. There are mixed reactions to this... Uh, posthumous work i here. will
2: say it's also not like lord of the rings in that you're not following a group of characters closely throughout an epic quest yeah okay it's more like the bible or something it literally starts from like in the beginning like there was light like it really is a creation myth the story of like the gods of this realm the first elves it's like a history it's like a, almost like a backstory.
1: It's like Encyclopedia Middle-earth. <laughs> sort of, yeah.
0: My question is then, does it have any stories about Galadriel and Elrond?
2: They come into it, but I'd say only briefly Galadriel more than Elrond for sure.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh,
2: but they're definitely not major characters. Mm-hmm. Like the major characters of Silmarillion are all people that you would not have heard of.
0: Probably. Mm, okay. To then jump into like the series. Are you guys cool with that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think my biggest issue with at least the premise of like this show is that I, I kind of allude to it earlier. I'm getting very like prequel slash like kind of like Star Wars vibes here. It's a story where we kind of are playing with characters that we know their fate and like we kind of know where maybe this story is leading to. Versus, I'd rather see something not so related, like. It sounds like the Cimmerillion would have been like something I would have been really interested in, where it's like all these stories of like all these people that I don't know about versus we have these major players that we're supposed to already have an attachment to, right? Galadriel, who was originally played by Cate Blanchett in the original movies, and then Elrond, who was played by Hugo Weaving. And this idea of, oh, is Sauron going to return? Like, well, yeah, of course he does. We know that he returns. The whole prologue to the original Fellowship of the Rings is how they got rid of him the first time, I'm a little bit more interested in like the characters that are actually not them and some of the stories that are not revolving around them versus they're just characters that I already kind of know the trajectory of, I guess, of their story.
2: I have some thoughts on that. And I guess, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know a little bit about the history of Middle-earth, because I kind of have to talk about it to talk about my view on this. So basically, the Lord of the Rings story takes place in the Third Age, of this world at the end of the third age. And each of these ages is like a period of at least like 3,000 years or so. And then the first age goes from like the creation of the world all the way up to the defeat of like the great enemy Morgoth. You've heard his name a bunch in the Ring of Power uh, yes. show. And he's sort of sarod's ex boss. I um, mean, he's defeated and like banished to the void or whatever. And so that ends the first age and starts the second age. The Second Age witnesses the rise of Sauron, I and mean, a whole bunch of other things happen, but the rise of Sauron, and then his eventual defeat at the end of the Second Age, at the last alliance of elves and men. gil uh comes in, and Elendil and Isildur, and Isildur's bane. This is the fight at the very beginning of Fellowship of the Ring, Fellowship. that prologue, yeah. where you see uh, Isildur cuts off Sauron's hand, and he takes the ring, and Elrond's begging him to throw it into the fire, and he doesn't do it. And then eventually he's killed and the ring is, you know, floats away in the river and is lost to time and found by Golem, and we all know the rest. So that's the second age is from the defeat of Morgoth to that first defeat of Sauron. And then the third age is um, Sauron because he's not fully defeated. He comes back over time and eventually is finally defeated at the end of the third age. And those are the movies we all know.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: the first age is pretty well outlined in the Silmarillion. We pretty much know what happens. And the third age is not all outlined, but the very end of it is in Lord of the Rings. But the second age is reasonably empty as far as Tolkien not giving us the most detail about this time period. Mm. So I do think it's a really smart place to put a show Mm -hmm. time-wise. Because they have a lot of leeway. Yeah, I feel like they have a lot of free space to move around and not bump too much against canon. But I do think in a way they hamstring themselves with what you're saying, Derek, where they chose these characters that everybody knows. I almost think, I guess it's very difficult to be like, hey, do a Lord of the Rings show without the characters anybody knows, right? Like that'd be a really difficult sell, right? A billion dollars on people nobody's ever heard of. But I almost think that would have given them even more freedom if they had done that. I don't know. I sort of share your issues with the choice of picking people who we know so well
1: i sort of agree i kind of disagree
2: because you're gonna bring up better call saul
1: <laughs> i think it's <laughs> all right like we said offline i think better call saul is the exception about prequels yeah. right prequels that can be done well where even if you know the fates of the characters that you can still mind drama and a great story out of a story you already know how it's going to end and i think that's partially true here But I just don't think anything is that interesting yet. All right. So first of all, I think there are two camps of people who are not super into the show. You have like the straight up racist haters who are like, there's no black people in Middle Earth and like they're super upset about like the casting and stuff. And then there's people who are just don't think the show is that good yet, which I
0: think I find myself in. I think we kind of all find ourselves in at the moment.
2: Yeah. I think there's a a third category too, sorry, which are like the Tolkien purists. Purists, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who like aren't racist but are just very into Tolkien and are just really mad about any kind of change from the canon. Like the super nerds, right?
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Which like a shout out to those people, respect. Uh, But (laughs) they weren't going to ever really be happy with anything, I don't think, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, those are the people who, like, didn't like the Peter Jackson movies because they weren't true enough to the story.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, like, the Peter Jackson movies are not, like, 100% faithful either. They take a ton of liberties, too.
2: Right. And, like, there's a lot of people who have their problems with that. If you're consistent and you're like, you know what, the Peter Jackson movies also don't live up to, like, my level of canon. You know what, I have a begrudging respect for your insane fanaticism. (laughs) So, like, that's cool. But, yeah, don't fall into that racist category, I guess.
1: I think... There's a lot of fiction right now, movies, TV series, whatever, where, like, you know, they really bring, like, racial politics and things like that. And they bring it down like a sledgehammer sometimes. And this is not the case. So the people who are calling this show woke, you just mean that Mm -hmm. there are minorities in it, right? The show is not, like, woke, to say. I think they integrate the people of color in this show very well. There's no, like, any sort of signaling of any kind where... They make an effort to point it out or anything. I think it's seamlessly built into the show, and I do like that. I think it's great. I just wish the show itself was a little more interesting.
2: Right, I agree completely. I was pleasantly surprised with how well they integrated the people of color. I'll be honest, I was a little worried. I was like, "Uh oh, they're putting people of color in this. Like, is this going to be some kind of weird political thing? Or like, is it like a substitute for like substance in the show itself? Um, Or is it going to like?" upend all the lore and make things look goofy and in the end i really don't think it did i'll admit i was a little worried not to throw myself to the racist camp but i was a little worried i was like, uh (laughs) like is this gonna work out you know what i mean and um you know i think by and large it did like if the show's not good it has bigger problems than like diversity right like that's not the issue yeah and also like solidarity with all the actors who like Being like attacked by like racist fans online and shit like that, like fuck that shit.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. And I'm glad that the cast members are standing by them as well.
0: And like even
1: the original trilogy cast, they came out and they're like, yeah, Elijah Wood came out and said, yeah, yeah. He seems
2: like a fucking good egg, man. I like that guy.
1: Yeah, he's cool. I like Elijah Wood.
2: I do want to say like you don't want to get trapped into feeling like you have to defend a work of art, like, just because it's diverse, right?
1: Exactly. I 100% agree. Mm -hmm. game
2: that the corporations play where they'll put something out that's diverse, and then, like, they automatically get, like, an online army of people to defend it, even if it's fucking bad. It is an intentional, cynical thing that they do, right? So, like, don't fall into that trap, but um, you also don't have to, like, be racist about this shit.
1: There's a lot of it. There's a lot of using diversity as a shield against criticism right yeah because then people are like oh you don't like the show it's because you're racist well sometimes your show fucking sucks which is not the case here the show doesn't suck it's just i'm waiting for things to maybe get a little waiting to be hooked right (laughs) Yeah. yeah waiting for the hook and my issue is that a lot of it just doesn't feel lived in like i said this before but like absolutely the lord of the rings movies peter jackson ones it's like instantly lived in like i could spend like an hour in the shire just with fucking frodo and gandalf chilling yeah, man in bilbo's cabin and stuff
2: blow some smoke rings and yeah dude it's cool sing some songs yeah i agree i think the dwarves actually feel pretty good here i thought yeah yes. I thought yeah. The dwarves i think that's a in that point. second episode Mm -hmm. I think the elves stink. Yeah, And I don't know if it's like a problem with getting too close to characters who are supposed to be like regal and mysterious and all-knowing, but they just don't feel like the elves to me. And and maybe that's an intentional choice. Like these aren't the veteran, super experienced, wise people that we knew in The Lord of the Rings. They're much younger and more callow and they're going to make mistakes and so on. And that's what they're trying to portray. But they just feel too human. I don't know. They don't feel right. And maybe that's an inevitable problem.
1: Yeah, so you know what I thought they were going to do that they didn't, which is much closer to the original text? At the end of the first episode, all these elves are ascending to Valinor, right? And Galadriel is about to go with them, and in the end she abandons it because she wants to go back and find Sauron. Mm -hmm. I think there's this thing with the elves where it's not just Galadriel that doesn't want to go to Valinor. There are other elves, too, who want to stay on Middle-earth just because They're superior to like all the other races or something, and that's how they feel. I think that's a very interesting wrinkle in like the elven uh, station, elven psyche, and that's completely missing. And I feel like that's so interesting, and they just did not do anything with that.
2: Man, that's such a great point because this is essential to like the flaw of the elves. So again, you have to get a little bit into the lore here, but bear with me for like a second. The elves are basically allowed to live in heaven with the gods Mm -hmm. and so if you choose not to you're like rejecting the gods in order to stay on earth and like well why would you do that jeff kind of points out in part because you are sort of an uppercase there right like the elves are longer lived and Immortal, and they don't suffer from disease, and they're more beautiful, and they're wiser, and they're richer, and the other races sort of pay them some kind of obeisance. Uh, and so they stay there as nobility, as opposed to going into heaven to Valinor and being maybe the lowest row on the totem pole. Why not stay in Middle-earth and rule in hell, so to speak? Yeah, You know, part of the elves' essential, like, sin is their desire to preserve things eternally and make Middle-earth... Like a copy of Heaven, a copy of Valinor, and rule there instead of just going to Valinor. That is hmm. part of their flaw in token view. And yeah, you're right. That's completely missed and completely kind of flubbed. They make it this very simplistic thing where it's like, oh, you're being given this, this reward of going to Heaven, and she jumps off the boat and swims away. It's just like it's very – it's kind of odd. It's very like, glossed over, yeah. Yeah. I kind of get what they're going for in that, like – you know, in some versions of the story, like, Gladriel does resist going back to Valinor, but not like that. It's not like you're being shipped off on a boat. Like, the whole thing is just, it's just, it was just very odd the way they decided mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, but yeah, I think you made a great point.
0: Yeah, and I generally agree with you, Amir, that I think the elf stuff is not working for me at the moment, except I do like the. Arandir character? Yeah. Um, the elf on the station. He
2: definitely works better than Galadriel Elrond. I think because we don't know yeah. him and he's not supposed to be this figure of myth and legend. He's just like a dude.
0: Yeah. And I like that he would abandon station for, you know, what I'm assuming is a connection with the Broan character, like a romantic connection with that character. So, like... I was a little bit more drawn into that versus, like, what are we going to do about Sauron? That stuff doesn't interest me, like I said at the moment. But I think this more kind of internalized relationship is something I'm more interested in.
1: But even then, I'm not super invested in his storyline either. Mm -hmm. It's just that nothing feels, like, intimate to me. Where, like, I don't Mm -hmm. know, Fellowship of the Rings, like, instantly Frodo is tasked with this heavy, heavy burden. And, like, that's instantly, like, something that you can feel and, like, something you can latch onto story-wise, right? But here it's just, like, oh, you know, Sauron's back and, like, you gotta find all the clues. And then the Harfoot's got, like, the mysterious stranger that falls from the meteor or whatever. Like, who's that? It's, like, this typical puzzle box narrative that these shows love to do which just isn't that interesting in that case. I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. It's only two episodes in. I want to see where things go. I'm curious. Like you said, the show is gorgeous. I think the performances are great. It just hasn't grabbed me quite yet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, And I think you bring up a really good point in comparing to The Fellowship of the Ring. But like the way I realize I'm not really drawn into this show is that let's say you take the original trilogy, right? Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, and The Return of the King as one large saga, right? Essentially, that's what it is, right? right? It's nine hours of content, pretty much, like, right there, right? It's like right? a season so you can kind of, of split it show. Up. Yeah, you can split it up to almost, like, nine one-hour episodes, right? And if you think about the Fellowship of the Ring, within the first two episodes, right, the first two hours, you've gotten the formation of the Fellowship, you've got to, like, meet all the characters, you've got to understand their relationships real quick, and you had the great dungeon like dwarf mine set piece and then the loss of Gandalf right Mm -hmm. like that's just the first two hours of that movie like we didn't even get to the part with Boromir yet by the second hour but like in those first two hours you had a great action set piece you had a rich understanding of the world and also of the players in this world that we're going to be following yeah I don't get that right
1: yeah I think it's a little unfair to compare TV with movies but you're 100% right yeah like The Fellowship of the Ring tells a smaller scale story in its first two hours than this does in its first two hours, right? Like, this is just scattered all over the place, and I just can't latch onto anything or any of the characters, and I just hope that changes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I do want to make the comparison just because they're the only two big fantasy shows on TV right now. All right, if you told me like a year ago that... I would be super into the House of the Dragon versus the new Lord of the Rings show. I would tell you to get the fuck out of here. Because I got burned by Game of Thrones so bad, but, like, I'm super into House of the Dragon, and, like, I'm not that into this. And it's not about, like, the gore or the nudity or any of that. It's just about texture and how invested you can be in the characters. You know, like, the prologue to Rings of Power, you know, is just more, oh, you know, the conflict with... Morgoth and, like, world-ending armies clashing and stuff. But then, like, House of the Dragon is, like, succession drama, right? Like, intimate succession drama. You're, like, into it right away. Where I feel like that's just something that's missing in the Rings of Power.
2: Yeah, 100%. Um, House of the Dragon's really good. And it's because the stakes are so human and the people are so human. They're flawed and they're shitty to each other. And their motivations are totally understandable and relatable and the acting is great. It's really good. And I think you're right that that's what's missing is the, you're just not attached to the people in this rings of power thing. You're not attached to them. You're not attached to their motivations or their causes. They don't seem to have personal motivations. They have like, I don't know, epic quest things. I'm going to make a an epic ring or I'm going to like hunt the Dark Lord. It's not understandable, relatable human stakes as opposed to, like, I want to be queen, or my dad's going to disinherit me, or, you know, Mm -hmm. I want freedom from the strictures of, like, responsibility of my life and be able to choose my own partner, or I want a son so I can uphold these fucking shitty patriarchal conditions, or whatever. Yeah. And that's just, like, two characters who I barely touched on, right? What are the motivations of any of the people in Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, And I think we've been saying that the money, but also, like, the meat of this Lord of the Rings show seems to be in the visuals at the moment. It's a really beautiful show to look at. And like, you could definitely tell there's the money in the production of everything. But like, I don't really care about the characters at the moment, but what Game of Thrones did so well for like six seasons or whatever you want to say was like the relationships of the characters and like the investment in the stories of the characters. Mm -hmm. And like, I just haven't gotten that from the Lord of the Rings show yet. But a show like House of Dragons has like even two episodes in has me invested in this whole new cast of characters and like I think the show is actually a really good counterpoint to the idea that you can do a prequel, right? You know, it's very much you could do, like, the Leonardo DiCaprio meme where he's pointing at the TV. Like, there's a bunch of names that we recognize, right? Like, you know, we know the name Targaryen or Baratheon or Lannister, right? We can point at the TV and, like, kind of remember those names. But none of these characters we actually know, right? Like, we've never actually met any of these characters before. Mm -hmm. And they could have taken the route of, like, showing, like, young Ned Stark, right? Or young jamie lannister uh they could have done that easy route and like shown us characters that we were semi-invested in they chose not to do that right they chose to go back a little bit further and show us like this whole new story where like it doesn't feel so attached to oh it's getting from point a to point b which is like you know getting from house of dragons to game of thrones like i don't feel like that's what we're heading towards mm-hmm. for house of dragons versus like all i could feel is like oh the end game of Rings of Power is like the fight with Sauron, right? Yeah. And like that's not what I'm really interested in.
1: I do have to say that I would actually murder someone for a Robert's Rebellion season, but that's neither here nor there of, of Game of Thrones. I would <laughs> yeah, love to dude. see that shit. I
0: mean, to talk a little bit about House of Dragons, like I was a little bit surprised by it, and this is spoilers for House of Dragons if you haven't watched it like the whole time jumping thing. I'm for if it earns its way to like, you know, young Ned and like Robert's Rebellion, like if it gets to that point, I think it could be earned, but like I'm just glad that they didn't start with that, right? That wasn't their starting point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you want
2: to know a little bit about House of the Dragon? Like, not even House of the Dragon, but just like, just to be aware, House of the Dragon is like 200 years before like Game of Thrones, in case you didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah, just so you know. So I don't think they're building towards like linking up with the beginning of Game of Thrones. That's like, 500 seasons of TV or something, right? Like, I'm
0: pretty- <laughs> well, I mean, with the time jumps that they're doing, you never know, right? <laughs> they're doing some crazy time jumps with this, which is really, really nice surprise for me this season.
2: So, Yeah, I think, unfortunately, that comparison to House of the Dragon really shows where Rings of Power is going wrong. It hasn't really connected us to the human side. And <laughs> maybe Lord of the Rings isn't that kind of fantasy. But then if it's not, then you have to like, yes. deliver on the other stuff. And I don't know if this has done that yet.
1: Yeah, and also some of it is just, like, a clear ploy to get people, like, around the water cooler, I feel. I'm, like, completely indifferent to this mysterious stranger plot line. Like, people are like, oh, who could mm-hmm. it be? Maybe it's Gandalf. Maybe it's actually Sauron in disguise. Like, I actually just don't give a fuck. It doesn't give me a reason to kind of care
2: i'm kind of kind interested of interested in okay i don't know who that is i'm kind of interested he definitely like seems evil right he broke that girl's father's foot mm-hmm. accidentally with his magic and um he killed all those fireflies yeah like i don't think they're building up to yeah. this being like a good dude i don't know who knows we'll find out i suppose
0: i think i will have to take jeff's side though that i'm not interested in that storyline either uh yet but we'll see Yeah. To say this, I'm not giving up on this show. No, me neither. yet. Like I said, I I do love this world and there are elements I do like. I agree with Amir. I like the dwarf stuff. Like if we got a little bit more dwarf stuff, I think I could definitely invest. I, I, I already said I do like the Erendir character. I mean, I'm not totally against like learning more about Galadriel and Eldoran because like they are characters I recognize. So like, we'll see where that goes. It's just at the moment, I'm not convinced by these first two episodes, but I'm also not to the point where I'm going to drop off Yeah,
1: I think we already mentioned this, but I think the closest the show has gotten to, like, really capturing my attention was Elrond's little uh, dwarf mission to, like,
0: yeah mm-hmm. break
1: bread. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, like, a little more character-driven. You know, having, like, the rock-breaking contests and being invited over to uh, the dwarven prince. Durin. Prince Durin. Yeah, Prince Durin. I like that stuff. It was great. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I don't want to just shit on the show a lot. I think there are definitely things that I liked. You know, like, Jay Bayona is, like, known primarily for, like, his horror stuff. And I thought the orc set piece in the second episode was pretty good. It was kind of like a, a little monster movie, you know, with, uh... See, I don't even know any of these characters' fucking names. Bronwyn. <laughs>
0: Bron- Bronwyn, Bronwyn? Uh, yeah.
1: Bronwyn and her kid being stalked by that one orc. I thought that was a great, like, tension-filled little uh, set piece there like that so there there are things that i like there are plenty of things that i like i just wish there was
2: more yeah i agree yeah i mean there's a lot of plot lines they're juggling a lot of plots hopefully it will all come together
0: i actually do want to ask you guys like what do you guys think about some of the action i mean i guess we didn't get that much i mean you've already mentioned like the orc scene but then we got the troll scene right in the first episode didn't do much for me either way yeah i thought the troll scene was fine I thought it was reaching a little bit too much for, like, the same kind of feel like that troll scene you get in The Fellowship of the Ring.
2: Because it is much better. You got a whole bunch of people working as a team, right? Like, it's all characters we're Mm -hmm. invested in. As opposed to, like, Galadriel epically killing one troll. You're like, oh, cool. You just did that by yourself and the rest of your dudes were standing there. Yeah. Yeah, the elves just don't feel, like, lived in... 3,000, 6,000-year-old beings or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know? They just don't.
1: It's like that problem we had with Marvel's Eternals all over again.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: For all these, like, godlike beings, they have none of the wisdom that you would think that they would have.
2: hmm But then also, like, none of the, like, human-level motivations that they would also need to have to be interesting, right? It's like the worst of both worlds.
1: Exactly. Not enough on either side.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: right? Like,
2: I don't know. It's just... Yeah, it's something doesn't quite sit, especially with the elves. I think the Harfoots are fine.
0: Are those hobbits?
2: I think they're supposed to be, but I also think there's like a rights issue with hobbits. Like I think they're like not allowed to say they're hobbits or something.
1: <laughs> That's a weird rights issue, though, because I thought it was just anything that was exclusive to the Silmarillion they couldn't use. But like the hobbits are in The Hobbit, and yeah, because I think they own the rights to The Hobbit,
2: right? Don't they? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Maybe they don't want to call them Hobbits. Or maybe the Harfits are ancestors of Hobbits and not Hobbits yet. I don't really know. Yet, yeah, that's one thing. Because they're definitely is, in
0: hiding, right?
2: My understanding of the Hobbits is that the Hobbits didn't even exist in the time period that the show is covering. Mm. So, like, who knows? Like, who knows what the show is doing?
0: Yeah, because it does make sense that, like, these seem like a people that are kind of trying to stay hidden versus, like, you know, when we get to the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit movie. Like, they have their own village. People like Gandalf come and visit them, right? Like, it's not like they're some secret people in hiding. So, I guess that makes sense. Maybe these are, like, ancient ancestors that will eventually become the Hobbits that we know. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up?
1: We're only two episodes in. It's an eight-episode first season. So, I want to stick with it. I really do want to stick with it. I want to mm-hmm. see where it goes. I do hope everything comes together in the end, so.
0: I'll say I love it because I don't want Jeff Bezos to take away my Amazon account.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's another question. Does this show even make sense economically? Like, are there people running out to buy an Amazon Prime membership just to watch this show? Or is it just a bunch of people who already have an Amazon Prime membership who, like, Click yes. But they're not getting any extra money out of me already. Like, I already have an Amazon Prime membership. So, like...
1: Even if they are getting new members, is it worth $700 million? I don't know. Actually, I do know. I think the answer is no.
2: (laughs) Right? (laughs) I did hear something very funny on a podcast. uh, another podcast called Struggle Session, they were talking about this show and they were saying that they'd read somewhere that... Amazon Prime, the uh, Prime TV is basically just like a loss leader for Jeff Bezos's sex life. <laughs> like the fact that the fact that he's producing TV like this gives him the ability to hop hobnob with Hollywood people and movie stars and whatever. So he doesn't give a shit if it loses money. Like the money is of no object to him.
1: I mean, that makes sense. Like seven hundred fifty million dollars is a lot of money, but like for Amazon and not Jeff Bezos, him. it's probably like right. a drop in the bucket. I mean, bucket, this is like right? a, so, this is
0: just like yeah, this is just like a little hobby project for him.
1: Yeah. It's like a
0: little prestige play for the company. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Like I thought I heard that he's like a big Tolkien head, right? Like he's actually a really big fan of the he Lord is. of the Rings. He wants this to be good. Yeah. This is not like for lack of care yeah.
2: or for lack of trying. Maybe he had too much involvement, maybe he gave too many notes, like I don't know if he somehow fucked it up, but if he did fuck it up, it definitely wasn't like because he doesn't like Tolkien, right? Like he wants this to be good and I think everybody involved wants it to be good.
0: I think there is a quote going around where he says that basically the the creatives behind this didn't take his notes. So, like, if anything, I don't know if you can blame Bezos.
1: I want to say that with Amazon, they probably have the highest percentage of original series and movies that are just, like, don't seem like real movies or series. (laughs) Like the Jack Ryan series, the Terminal List, that Chris Pratt show. I just feel like it's full of stuff that no one actually watches. And... I think without the Lord of the Rings name and, like, without the characters that we know, this would just be another generic fantasy series that no one watches. Mm-hmm. Um, there was that other fantasy show on Amazon. Um, with <laughs> The Wheel of Time? Was that Amazon? Wasn't it?
0: Wheel of Time Amazon? Wasn't it?
1: Yes, it was. I mean, they're huge Wheel of Time fans, mm-hmm. but I'm not one of them, so I don't know. I think that got, like, middling reviews, too, and probably fizzled out. I'm trying to think of that other show carnival row oh with orlando bloom and cara Delevingne. like who fucking watched that nobody watched that and i think their marketing is quite terrible too uh, a lot of things just get buried but i don't know they spent a lot of money on the show and i hope they pull it off in the end so
0: all right well i think that will conclude this week's episode where can people find more of your work, Jeff?
1: You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Strange Harbors. What about you guys?
2: You can find me praying to Elbereth that this show gets good. <laughs> what about you, Derek?
0: You can find me at the World's Okayest Photos and Screen Agents Guild on Instagram. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe where you get your podcast, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do us a favor and give us a great rating. It really helps to get our podcasts out to more people.
1: Yeah, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions on our episode on The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at Uh We like reading listener mail, and sometimes we read it out loud on the pod. So
0: feel free to do that, and we will see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.